Hey everybody, we're back with another exciting Driven Hunter podcast brought to you by Mission Crossbows. Today we're talking about moose. Absolutely. You know, after we just got back from the Yukon, I've had so many people comment about how much they loved all the moose content. Pat's like, it'd be really cool to be, you know, just do a short little segment on moose hunting. We've done it so much over the years, and this year was no exception to having just excellent su- success. Yeah, I thought, hey, let's just do a podcast mm-hmm. on on moose hunting, because, you know, moose hunting really is on everybody's bucket list, and, you know, we've done it for so many years up there in the Yukon. I've hunted moose, you know, everywhere. It seems like I've hunted all three subspecies. I've shot the Shiras with Glenn Brown in Alberta, back in the day and in the mountains. And then I also, I shot a Minnesota moose. Mm -hmm. Can you believe that? That was pre-Nicole. That was a long (laughs) time ago when you were nice and young. That's when I got to do a lot more hunting before you came along. (laughs) That's right. Now you get to take all my moose hunting. But no, we've had some awesome moose hunting in the Yukon for years, hunting with Caesar Lake Outfitters, the Wilkinsons. And this year was kind of the end of the era, the dynasty. I know. It was really sad. It was bittersweet. We've had so many great memories up there. We were trying to count how many trips total we've been with Caesar Lake, whether it was for mountain goat, caribou, you know, and then of course all of our moose trips. So it's been at least probably eight or nine different trips over the years, maybe even 10. Who knows? Right. (laughs) Yeah. The Wilkinsons become our, really our extended family and, and love seeing Mama Ruth and eating her her pies and and her soups and stuff like that. Well, I think it's so important if somebody books a hunt and they're especially a moose hunt, you're going up in the middle of nowhere to the Yukon. It's like they bring you in like family, right? And like you said, they were our extended family, but I think it's so important for hunters to have that just welcoming feeling. And they just always did that, you know, for everyone. So, and yeah, you're, you're hundred percent right. We, you know, the other idea by doing this podcast is people learn, you know, what we look for in a great moose hunt. And right. Lots of people ask us, you know, it's on my bucket list. I really want to go do one of those. And we can talk about some of the, you know, the things that we, you know, consider before going on a moose hunt. Um, but, uh, and, and what we take for equipment and all that stuff, because it is ultra important. I mean, a moose hunt isn't an easy, and they always say when, right. <laughs> when it, the moose hits the ground is really when the work begins. But it's just been, again, a staple to our programming over the years, just being up there on those rivers. And I just love the adventure part of it. Yeah, right. Like, I think that's a lot of people, you know, when they were commenting on just everything that, uh, you know, a moose hunt delivers per se, it's about the adventure, right? Like, it's, it, nobody really realizes it takes and what it takes to actually get in to even begin your moose hunt. So, (laughs) yeah. So, I mean, that's a great, Great segue into this next conversation. So, you know, why we like really hunting with Caesar Lake so much and and have in the past is because just the infrastructure that they have set up to make it comfortable for us to go on a moose hunt. And, you know, Caesar Lake is going to continue. There's a new owner. Um, Dustin Rowe is is has got some ownership in the new operation. And I'm sure he'll run it very similar to what Caesar Lake did. But uh, the infrastructure that Caesar Lake had set up, I, I asked him this year how many cabins he had set up on these river systems. But they had, <clears throat> excuse me, they had a lot of cabins mm-hmm. up and down each river. So what that really made it super nice because we didn't have to stay in a tent. Um, 
all along the river, you had a dry, warm place you could crawl in at night right. and call home, and it, it, it they became the Taj Mahal. Well, and they don't just hunt river systems either. There's a ton of lakes that they hunt off of that they have cabins on as well, and then they do some horseback hunting as well. So, and Argo hunts. Right, right. Like yeah, so I think that was the best part is they kind of offer a little bit of variety for everyone. What I liked about the river and always have is you just never know what's around the next bend. Like if you're on a lake hunt, you're just going around and then on the same lake, basically in a circle the whole time trying to call a moose. And most of all their lakes always have moose and stuff like that. But um, these river systems, you can travel 20, 30 miles in one direction on a river system, turn around and go come right back and, and head right. back to your cabin and have just as good a luck or, you know, sometimes even better if you time it right is getting in there and getting, you know, or going down the river and all of a sudden, boom, there's a moose standing on the side of the bank, which, you know, you just passed a couple hours earlier. So right. you just never know what you're going to see on those rivers. And the moose there, they don't get shot out in, in that country because that country is so vast and so heavily forested that, that the moose get aged there. Right. And, you know, they never see a human really ever in their life, I'm sure. And they just drop out of those big, you know, mountains and those hills that are all heavily forested and come down into that river system for the rut. Mm -hmm. And hopefully, you know, you're in the right spot at the right time. I will say this year, you know, like you had just stated, the bulls come out of the mountains. They come down towards the river looking for cows. And this year we heard a lot more vocalization. It was unbelievable how many cows we actually heard calling this year as well, which was really neat um, to hear. You know, it's part of moose hunting. And, you know, then you'd hear the bull grunting. And that's the best part is, like, there was one spot where we would climb. I called it a mountain. It's not really a mountain. But I felt like it was and we were climbing it. And we get to the top and you could see out for miles and miles and miles um and yeah, that's the burn we yes, call that the burn yeah and you know it's pretty amazing especially when you hear a bull grunt you know i remember that first morning hearing that bull grunt and jordan was like oh that's like you know how many miles away and you're thinking wow that you can actually hear them from that yeah. far away and then of course the anticipation of seeing what the bull is right once they finally get in it's just it's pretty awesome yeah i mean you know, you, tr you try to get those quiet days. They're perfect days for calling right. because a moose can hear you a long ways away. You got to understand that those yeah. things, they have satellite <laughs> dishes on their head for ears. Right. And they can, they can really hear. That's one of their best defense mechanisms um, is their hearing. And they can hear you calling from a long distance, you know. And then when they grunt back, you know, hopefully you can hear them right. um, in the same. And sometimes it takes them, you know, an hour or two to close that entire distance, whether, you know, it's a couple miles away, but yeah, you know, if they're wound up and they're in the peak of the rut, a lot of times you can call them from a long ways away. And right. we have, we've called them, you know, from a couple miles off and, you know, all of a sudden, boom, they're standing mm -hmm. in front of you grunting. Uh, but I really like, I mean, if you like turkey hunting or you like elk hunting or you know, hunting where you're calling it at, at an animal. Just imagine this this animal that's like 1,500, 2,000 pounds coming into your call. And, I mean, when they get in close, and Nicole can testify because she had an awesome hunt this last time that we went up there. Not not this year, but a couple years ago. 
I mean, when they're at five yards, right? <laughs> you're looking up at them, right? You know you're close when you can hear like their nostrils going in and out and them breathing. Uh, t- t- <laughs> a little t- too close. Yeah, give these guys just kind of a quick rendition of that haunt and how that all shook out. Well, like Pat said, you know, river hunting is you're cruising down the river. There's specific spots. Our guide, Jordan, um, who's guided us on this specific river quite a few times, um, you know, he has his moose moosey spots is what he calls them you know that he stops at um you know to call and just to hear and see if anything will respond and there was a gravel bar there where he seen moose frequent in the past we saw some fresher moose tracks there so we decided to stop and make a call and uh, sure enough this guy (laughs) just totally started responding back to us yeah and and uh, it wasn't long and he was in our lap right right jordan just stayed behind just like he said it's like elk hunting when you have a guide or someone you know the caller and is trying to pull that elk past you it's the same thing for moose hunting when you're bow hunting um you know you're trying to pull that moose past you in order to get a bow shot and that's exactly what happened except he was a little too close for my comfort (laughs) (laughs) i was you know that was a one of the craziest kind of my hunting moments you might you know if if you're watching the video side of this podcast you're gonna see that in motion but this this moose walks in and he stops on the other side of a bush we're hiding behind and he's just standing there and like the video really doesn't do it justice (laughs) you can hear him like licking his lips and slobbering and breathing and i mean it it just crazy like you know that big a animal is standing there looking for you and then he when he did step out he looked at us and he he was looking down at us and i'm like i remember that moment it's kind of like that moment stood still in time it was in slow motion but i remember him just like i'm like I'm praying, please, because he his vitals weren't exposed for you. Yeah, and I'm at shot. full draw, and I'm holding it, holding it, holding it, and I'm thinking, I just remember praying, saying, please, God, help me hold this bow back. You did for like a minute. It seemed like an hour. <laughs> it was, that oh, that was impressive. I mean, I got to say, that was that was a crazy. That was a fun hunt. And that bull, when he stepped out, he's just all of a sudden, his demeanor changed. He, he, he kind of went into a posture mode like we were a threat to him, and I think really what he thought is that we were wolves and like crouched down there and kind of like that hunkered, you know, predation, you know, stance. And he started swaggering like he was going to try to run us out of there. And of course you put it on him with that Matthews and he ran out on the gravel bar and did the crappie flop right, right there. Right. That was, I mean, a fun hunt. Yeah, and then you jumped on the guide and give him like some sort of crazy hug, and I'm like, wait a minute, where's mine? That's <laughs> like that's like pure emotion, though. I mean, I, I don't. We haven't even talked about how many years I had moose hunted prior to that, yeah. trying to shoot one with a bow, passing up quite a few decent bulls that the guides would yeah, say we can do water. better, we can do better. Yeah, the one in the water with Joel the very first year. I so told you, you, you know there was that bull there was a time. lot of emotion in that that finally getting it done, sealing the deal. But I mean that's just one of the many moose hunts, you know, that we've done up there. And I mean I've like you've I've shot some, some giants. Yeah, I've had some great archery hunts. Of course it's kind of moose hunting to me is like black bear hunting. I I don't really want to shoot one hardly anymore with a with a rifle, just because I like that that adrenaline Up close, rush. Yeah, yeah, that what when calling them in so close to you, and uh, I mean there's there's been several that really kind of come to mind that the the year that you you know you were just mentioning when you shot that one, of course you know after you 
killed out and and we got your moose taken care of it took an entire day to do that but then i was up to bat i of course had a tag and i started hunting and like the very next day we're cruising up this river and we see this bull on the on the bank and we ended up floating by this bull and and he stood up and i just shot him right from the boat um you know which is completely legal and uh it wasn't under power it was shut off and we we're just drifting silently and drifted right into his lap and when he seen us of course he stood up and i shot him and then that bull just went crazy just spinning circles and like and then all of a sudden like i shot him a couple times on the bank and then he just dove right off in the water <laughs> remember our cameraman he just mm-hmm. had a, like i mean i think that jared our cameraman and editor he he about crapped his pants on that one because he he thought the bull was coming in the boat and so did i at that moment but the bull just kind of ran behind the boat and stopped in the water and then fell over and um and then of course the the real work began because he was in dead in the water yeah that's something that pat liked to do (laughs) the last my last couple bulls until this year you know have died in the water and that becomes a problem because they're great when they're not touching anything, but as soon as you pull them, they float because all their hollow hair. But once you pull them into the shore, totally different story. Dead weight, about four or five feet deep. They're of course their body starts to hit the rocks, and that that just stops you. And then you got to use a come along or somehow winch them on to shore so you can you know work on them and break right. them apart. And you know in the Yukon, you got to take every stitch of moose out that's edible i mean we're taking the ribs the brisket neck meat everything yeah all the meat only Mm -hmm. thing that's left is the leg bones and the spinal column and any hide that you don't want Mm and i mean the rest goes with you and you're talking i mean it takes two adult men to carry a hind quarter off a moose i mean they are big and heavy Mm -hmm. and that is a ton of meat and people always ask what do you do with all that meat well we eat I mean, I got a lot of kids to feed here at the Reef House, but uh, we love moose meat, don't we? Mm-hmm, we what, do. What's your favorite uh, recipe for moose? Uh, probably like moose stroganoff. Yeah, I'd made. say yeah. that's probably one of mine, yeah. too. I like the meatballs you make, too. Right, yeah. But moose is su- pretty similar. If you haven't ate it before, it's pretty similar to beef. I'd it say. is. Yeah, moose is probably one of my favorite wild game. It doesn't have a real wild gamey taste. Mm-mm. No. Um. So, of course, we eat as much as we can when we're in those, you know, remote camps. Right. Yeah, because you're living on, you know, I mean, they feed you good, but you only have a specific amount because you don't have refrigerators or anything out there, right? So you come in with a couple sacks of cooler, you know, you're, and once you, you know, that meat's gone, it's gone, unless you shoot a moose. So, yeah, we were definitely happy when we get moose on the ground. Once you shoot a moose, I mean, tenderloins and back straps (laughs) and, yeah. Not worrying yeah. about running out. Right. Yeah, the meat sweats after a couple of days after <laughs> to get a moose on the ground. But yeah, it, again, um, there was one moose hunt that really sticks out in my mind. And I, and a lot of people uh, remember that. Is, is, um, I was hunting a different river than we normally have hunted. Um, but I was hunting with Josh Johnson, who's, uh, you know, one of my buddies that has guided us on a lot mm-hmm. of hunts over the years. And, and Josh and I were on this river. And and we were hunting for a couple of days and we hadn't seen a lot and I was kind of starting to get down a little bit because usually by then we'd, you know, got a bull on the ground. 
you know, I've learned one thing. You, you know, as soon as you get down on your luck and you start questioning if you're going to get one, all of a sudden, boom, it just happens. And that's what exactly happened. We come around this corner in the river and this great big bull was standing up on the bank. And I remember Josh not even letting off on the motor. He was just wide open and he didn't want to let off his spook the animal. So we went around the corner and I, I was just painting this mental picture of this bull moose because he is so gorgeous. And he had like flared back pant paddles and he had a drop tine and it was just non-typical points all over. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's like my dream moose, but nobody's ever going to believe it because we didn't even have it on video because we were going so fast. So we go around the corner and I told Josh, I looked at him and he goes, get your bow. And I'm like, heck with the bow. I'll just shoot this thing with the rifle. It's so big. And, uh, I grabbed my bow, grabbed my Matthews and we, we get up on the bank and we tucked into the woods and, just the way the river uh, was right there, you know, it just kind of made a big hook and it came back around kind of towards him. So, you know, as a crow flies, he wasn't very far away when we stopped and we just crawled up into cover and he made one, like, I think he made a call call and a grunt and that bull just immediately was grunting and coming at us. And within that was minute. pure scramble. <laughs> yeah. Within a minute, we're in the thick timber, and within a minute, that bull just comes right out. Uh, like, we had a stare off, and I'm just, please don't let him smell me and spook. And God answered my prayer, and he just all of a sudden postured and just started swaggering himself right into a, I had a perfect little opening, and I shot and you know, just kind of hit him higher, long, kind of back a little bit, but I mean, it was still... I mean, the <laughs> the kill zones on these things are huge. Huge, right. So, I mean, he didn't go not even 100 yards and, and piled up, but um, that was one of the coolest, you know, moose, you know, hunts that I've ever been on. And and we've been on several that we came home empty-handed, empty, too. Right. You know, Aaron, uh, our cameraman, uh, and one of our producers, him and I were on a, a moose hunt with Dave Leonard and, uh, and, and Jordan Wallace up there, and... Um, at the, the base of the Brooks Range in Alaska. And it rained for, I think, 12 solid days. And, was, and we were staying in tents. Glad I stayed home on that one. <laughs> it was, <laughs> we, earned, we earned everything, but we did. We came out of there empty, and right. we didn't have a moose. We seen some moose, but that was a float trip, and we didn't have a jet boat like we do at Caesar Lake where we can go upstream. Right, right. If we could have went upstream with those, with those rafts, we could have got on more moose. But, um, you know, that... That's moose hunting. Sometimes right. the weather can be so bad and you can endure such, you know, wet weather that it's just that time of year up there in the north. Right. Yeah. I mean, you never know. Like this year, it was pretty warm in comparison to what it has been in years past. You know, with normally we get some pretty hard frosts and stuff and this year was pretty warm. So um, it all just depends. Like you said, the one year you were chipping out ice. Yeah. you know, with the boat, you know, so it just kind of all I depends think, on the weather and the year. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's a great, a great segue into like, when should I go moose hunting? Where, if I have a perfect time a year, you know, your outfitter will be able to tell you that. Cause if you're going to Canada, I, here's the thing that I like about going to the Yukon and an, even NWT is it's limited. The, the outfitters there are on an allocation basis, which means they don't have unlimited moose tags to sell. The government regulates the quota. And um, so they'll just take, they take a handful of hunters every year. And you, the hunting is 
untapped and so to speak. I mean, there's way more moose than there is hunters mm-hmm. and you're, you're really, your chances are very good. Um, and you're hunting Alaskan moose, right? They're the biggest subspecies. Um, if you go, if you start to go into BC and Alberta and then into, you know, like Saskatchewan, Manitoba, those are going to be Canadian strain moose and they're going to be slightly smaller. So, but if you get into the Yukon and NWT, and then of course into Alaska, you're going to be, um, BC's kind of got a few, but not the Alaskan strain is in that Yukon Northwest territories in Alaska, uh, region. So that's why I like hunting that subspecies cause they're just giants. Right. And, uh, yeah, but you know, the timing of the year is usually going to be that, that middle to latter part of September, maybe first week of October, it really tails off soon after that second week of October. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, again, best time to call them in is that period because, you know, they're, they're callable. Right. Um, you know, earlier on, of course you can get velvet and that's more spot and stock and, and hunting bulls in, in a velvet stages. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just fun to go and Alaska can offer you great hunting. Don't get mm-hmm. me wrong. I know like the bone collector guys, you know, mm-hmm. Michael and, yep. and Nick and, and T-Bone and them guys, them guys have went up there and shot enormous moose mm-hmm. at a spot, but that's kind of a, that's a little honey hole that they never share with us. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's a lot more resident pressure or a lot more American pressure, so to speak, because you don't even need a guide to go on those, those kind of adventures mm-hmm. and hunt moose up, up in Alaska. Um, but if I was going to, you know, give you a tip, I said, the main, main thing about going to, you know, Alaska and you're going on a moose hunt is just get away from the, the populous areas mm-hmm. where, you know, people can drive to and get boats in and stuff. You take a hire an air service, go as far away as you can and get away from people and, you know, start doing some research on what areas can produce more moose. Some areas are trophy limited. Uh, I've shot a, I shot a really nice bull on a self guided hunt, basically, uh, up in, um, where was it? Kind of at the base of Mount McKinley. Um, I don't even know what river drainage it was, but that was a tough hunt. And um, then I realized soon, like, I should have probably had the guy do more of the help because it's just one more added hand. But, uh, you know, again, doing some research, talking to people and and seeing about their experiences Mm -hmm. really can help you out a lot. Um, If you're thinking about going to Canada, be prepared. It's costly now to to go on moose hunts i remember the day when you could basically get a moose moose hunt for three to five thousand dollars and now you're talking what we give what would we give for that now right 30 (laughs) you know it's almost thirty thousand for a a decent place and these guys are booked up well in advance so right those days have really changed tremendously people just didn't really care about them but now they a lot of people are really focused Mm -hmm. in on moose and that's why we get such probably good response and good, you know, ratings as far well, as I don't, that. Yeah, and I don't think a lot of people realize just how big and the size of, you know, these animals are until, you know, you show them really just how big they are. So, I mean, yeah. I remember the first time I ever went moose hunting with you and I saw the first one walk out. I was like, holy smokes. I'm from southern Illinois originally. We don't see those around our parts. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's for sure. They're not roaming in southern Illinois. If they are, they something wrong with them, that's right. for sure. But uh, yeah, I mean, we have moose here in Minnesota and, yep. you know, sometimes they get down in the, where we live here. But, um, back when I shot mine, you know, there was a, still a moose hunting season. Mm-hmm. We had to have four people to apply. 
um, but uh, in, a, in a party. But, you know, I drew that once in a lifetime tag. I can never hunt again here right. in Minnesota. So, um, of course, I, I still moose hunt. I, I like to do it every year. That's kind of, it's mm-hmm. always on our bucket list to yep. go every year if we can afford it, if we can get it lined up is, yep. is to get in and, and do a moose hunt because it's just that much fun to go after. But they are. what other question do you think people have for, for us on moose? I don't know. I you don't know there's oh calibers you know what to shoot i mean of course we we're using bow and arrows a lot so we're you know i'm really shooting my whitetail setup well you are but i'm using (laughs) i used a rifle i shot three with a rifle up there so yeah and and you know if you're a female or you know a smaller frame shooter you're not going to pull as much poundage your arrow is going to have as much kinetic energy because it's shorter lighter a lot of times but my whitetail setup, I'm shooting 70 pounds. I shot a 100 grain NAP broadhead, fixed blade broadhead. Mm-hmm. And that just, that's enough to get great penetration on, on and they, they got thicker hides and um, thicker, you know, um, obviously their bone structure is bigger. So, you know, if you hit a bone, it, it can cause you deflection issues. It can right. cause penetration issues. But um, generally... You know, if you put the shot in the right spot behind the shoulder, they're not going to go very far at all. Um, and, uh, yeah, this year, let's talk about quick about this year because that's really what we're talking about here in the front end of the podcast is we, uh, of course, have the same – we're going to the same river this year as we've been going to, mm-hmm. hunting again with Jordan up there. And uh, this is last year for Caesar, so we really wanted to, to have a great experience, and, and obviously we did. Right. And you were up to bat first with the brownie. I was. Yep. Yeah. So I decided, you know what, there's two of us hunting, so it limits our days, right? Because we're still only there for the one hunt days. So it, I'm thinking, I want to make sure Pat has a chance. So I'm like, I'll yeah, take my okay. brownie. <laughs> I mean, if you know. They're not buying that anyway. <laughs> but I'm like, I'll take my browning. Pat took his Matthews. So we went up there and yeah, I mean. What, we, what caliber browning were you shooting? 300. 300 win. Yep. You remember the grain of the bullet? 180, right? No, 195. Oh, 195. Um, Remember, it's a new silver series. Oh, yeah. That you, well, you started with 195 grain. It was that, uh, that long range series bullet. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, you did, we did have you shooting and you like the soft tip that Sierra or that silver series, which is kind of a whitetail elk load. But, I mean, it still packs a heck of a punch, right. and uh, you shot it really well, so that's why we shot those bullets through there. Plus, yep. ammunition, obviously, is very hard to find. It now, is, so. yeah. Um, but, yeah, so anyways, what happens next? Well, we had a few bulls calling here and there, but the finally on, what, day three, day four, we were going down the river, and... Uh, just stopping at one of Jordan's spots that he's, you know, has frequently seen moose at in the past years. Yeah. And got out of the boat and started calling. And um, instantly he responded from across the river. And I it remember was like, you were like, where, where did that grunt come from? It was like a mad scramble. Everybody was like, okay, get the camera on the tripod. Get your, you know, like, because when you get out, it's like you kind of get into a little bit of a routine where you're like, okay, you get out. We're at this other spot. Okay, we're going to call. Oh, we don't hear anything. Because get back you, in the boat. Yeah, because and, you call at so many spots. So, yeah, that's what I'm saying. And you just kind of, so know, it had get been a few spots. We hadn't it. heard anything. And then all of a sudden, it was like, was Ooh. that a grunt? <laughs> Cool. Yeah. yeah. And so it was kind of like a mad scramble getting the camera on the tripod, me getting my bog shooting stick set up, you know, and everything. And 
figuring out we were locating him and finally we saw him coming through the willows and the across rest is history river. yeah yeah he's he was across the river but of course you know those rivers aren't extremely wide so he's at what 100 and 150 no he was like 250 yeah 230 250, oh you're stretching that yeah. he was like no. a lot closer you didn't have the range finder i did honey <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so i could have got anyways, him with my, my matthews from that right. distance but yeah so he came out and he stood there and looked at us for the longest time and where we were set up we were in some pine trees and kind of some shadows so you know when nobody was moving he didn't know we were there and then finally he turned broadside and he popped him. Yep. And, he, and then, of course, back. it's in the evening. So we, you know, went over and did our photos and video that we needed to do. And then uh, we got him taken care of as far as, you know, just, just field dressing yeah, him. Dressing. Yeah, and getting everything out of him and propping him up for the night. Um, and then, you know home going home back to the cabin on the river in the dark is not a fun thing i must say it's a little sketchy um with all the rocks it's, and yeah, different things like that I mean, very you dangerous you could hit yeah. something because you just can't see what's in the water after dark and right jordan is jordan's over. a great boat pilot though i will say so um yeah you go but, shut off you'd think <laughs> that we you we had streamlight headlamps on and stuff and you're like you want us to turn these on? He goes, no, we're going to shut all the lights off. You're like, he said, I can it's see better. Dark. Yeah. And he's going on twilight or moonlight. Yeah. And, and we're traveling and he can see the break in the water just from the riffles that a rock might create. So he's, you know, maneuvering through that river in complete darkness. And you're just praying that we don't hit something. And right. I mean, that's, that's kind of part of the adventure. There's a little bit of a thrill I get out of that part of it, you know, where, it, Not me. It, it's dangerous, <laughs> but you're praying that you don't, you know, you get back. And of course, we got back to the cabin and right. we we're just exhausted because of a full day. And then, you know. And then the next morning, you know, you wake up, you eat a good breakfast, and then you get on the river right away and head back. And, you know, Take I will say with both Pat and Jordan working on the moose, you know, I, they got him taken care of fairly quickly, but it's still a process, right? And then too much weight for the boat. So you take us back to the cabin. Then Jordan had to come back and load up all the meat and bring it back to the cabin. And then, of course, you hang it all on the meat pole and they're yeah. back at camp. And just a lot. I mean, there's just a lot to it. it. It's just not like you shoot something, you take it to the locker plant and say, here, cut this thing up. Right. You put it in meat bags and yeah, you take it back. And we had actually, when we were here in 2019, when we were at the same camp, we had shot Pat's moose, so we had to build a secondary meat pole. And so that meat pole was still standing this year. So we put yeah. my moose on it and then, um, yeah, and then Pat was up to bat. So. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, and moose, it's so cold there at night that it right. keeps really cold. And, you know, you don't have to worry about any spoilage or anything no. like that. And if, if, if you were, if it was super warm, the, the water is ice cold, so you could keep it. You know, obviously in the water, keep it cool by the water. So that would help as well. Um, I was on a, a sheep and caribou hunt this year. And that's how we cooled our meat down is by putting it in the water and mm -hmm. getting it cooled down that way. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, the moose hunting is obviously tons of fun. I love, love doing it. I mean, it's just, again, it's been a staple in, in our repertoire. I got a moose after mm -hmm. you got yep. yours processed. It took. It took a few days because you shot yours say, on what, day three? Day three or four, and then you shot yours on what, seven? Seven or eight, yeah. yeah. We don't even know. So. It all runs together. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, we, um, my my bull, we just ended up stopping because we saw two small bulls, and then we heard another one grunting. The bull um, finally came into the smaller ones. We hardly even had to make a call. 
just a few calls and the other moose just kind of decoyed him in mm-hmm. and uh and he got came in and and of course I, I shot him hit him a little low the first shot wasn't uh i was just trying to shoot through some holes and then he ran out and i quickly put another arrow on the rest and and got outside the willows and, and shot him again mm-hmm. which made it you know total sense it really you know helped in the recovery of him because once you got a couple arrows in them they right. you tend to get you know find them a lot easier so um yeah then we were tagged out and of course uh, we had a a long adventure back home uh, it takes a long time to go into those spots and a long time to come all the way back home it does i About mean you three know days, right actually. right like that's what people don't understand is like the just the whole adventure of even getting in there we float planed in um but then coming out we did what a two and a half three hour jet boat ride down the river jordan left us on the side of the river and then they had to get yeah terry came up with a hovercraft, hovercraft to get through the rapids because the jet boat wouldn't get through the rapids so he took us through like a one to two mile stretch of rapids with then the, we jumped on another jet boat yeah and then we went for about another two to three hours full day to get off the river right down to where the truck was and then you drive a half an hour 45 minutes to get into town so yeah it's quite something Uh, (laughs) and then a shower after 10 days (laughs) it's the best shower you will ever have (laughs) by 10 days of being around this lady i don't even want to get and you smell like roses i'm sure (laughs) there's i know i I wasn't even getting close women are supposed to smell a lot better than a guy (laughs) there was no way i was even getting close to you but I would do this podcast disservice if I did not mention the phobia that Nicole has about mice. And, oh, we've had some quite interesting mice experiences over the years. And, but we uh, did not have any this year. Yeah, there so were no mice I think in the Jordan, cabin. I think that Joel sent Jordan in two weeks in advance, didn't tell us, and they trapped all the mice out of the cabin. I don't think Joel probably had to tell Jordan after <laughs> our last hunt. Poor Jordan was up in his skibbies in the middle of the night every night, killing mice with a broom and everything else because I was scared to death. So. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, in the middle of the night, Nicole could hear him scurrying across the floor, <laughs> getting into the chip sack, and all of a sudden I would just feel this, like, instant hand claw my scalp and and just like dig in and of course wake me up out of a dead sleep and i'm like i knew exactly what it was because i could i could just feel the sheer panic she'd rather have a grizzly bear in our cabin than uh than a little two inch mouse it's the truth um but the the place is loaded with mice got a lot of wolves too but there's a lot lot more mice there and and uh yeah and sometimes they can be yeah (laughs) There can be a lot of them, but um, we've trapped them over the years and and, uh, had some rather great experiences. If you ever visit one of our cabins, we'll have a, you'll see the mouse tally on the wall (laughs) where how many mice we had. It'll be a moose tally there too, but they're usually the mouse, the mice and and stuff. The mice tally is even funner, but uh, just all part of the adventure. Um, I highly recommend anybody, it's got it on the bucket list, just, Think about going and, and giving it a try. You know, um, like I said, if you're horseback hunts can be a lot of fun because you got the horses to get the meat out. The only thing is the backpack side of it, it can be tough because if you have to backpack meat out of any distance, it takes a long time. And I've been right. on those. Um, some people physically just can't go on those. These river hunts can be awesome because usually the moose dies with a short distance of the river, sometimes in the river. <laughs> right. But, uh, 
you know, those are ones for people that are a little more physically challenged than, than more of a backpack or a, a horseback hunt. But, um, you know, again, your outfitter will be able to tell you that, right. that information up front. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, you can, anybody can always contact us and ask us any more questions in detail, you know, like what kind of gear to always, we, we, you know, the thing is about going up there, you kind of got to be prepared for all the weather elements about, you know, I mean, we, we're always in our lacrosse rubber boots, you know, that cause we're always around water. So, right. um, you know, we're, we're always used to that. We're not walking, you know, or hiking up ridges or anything. So we're always wearing our rubber boots on those, um, mm -hmm. deals, but, um, yeah, there's specific equipment, obviously, for depending on what type of hunt you're doing. Yeah, so. in the river, you wear goggles, you know, to keep help, you, you know, the air's cold in those river in the morning, so you wear... Your like eyes water the, and everything so else. goggles, yeah. and we wear, you know, we layer up, you yep. know, base layers, and then, of course, you know, we layer with some down or mm -hmm. something, lightweight, packable stuff, and then, you know, your outer, you know, more waterproof stuff, Um course it can rain in at any moment so you got right. you know you got to have that rain gear good rain gear accessible by you know so you can get at it and, and put it on quickly but uh yeah i mean it's just the gear is ultra important as mm -hmm. well it's just you know having the right stuff to make you comfortable and 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 uh, usable in the environment right yeah so yeah, tell them, I mean, where's our next moose adventure? Uh, who knows at this point? We don't know yet. We want to try something new, so we'll see. Yeah, <laughs> um, I want to hunt. Like, uh, my goal is to shoot a 70-inch or someday. So those are, those are like 200-inch whitetail for those who, you know, can make that equation. But um, they're, they're hard to find, those places. So, I yeah, I'm going to have to do my homework and, and try to find areas that, that harbored that, that kind of animal. But, um, that's my goal. This is to shoot something like that. And I'm sure we'll, we'll be out there chasing moose again next year. That's um, right. If, if God allows. So anyways, yeah, it was fun talking about moose and one I of guess, our favorites. That's for sure. Yeah. Until then <laughs> we're going to be eating some fresh moose meat. We were brought home from, from this year's hunt and that's right. glad to share it with everybody because it's so much fun. So yeah, until the next podcast, we appreciate you tuning in. Thank you.